Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Lord, your word is so very important to us. It is where we find faith. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If we look at the way some people go through very difficult times, we find our strength, we find our comfort in the faith that we have in your word, through our prayer lives, and walking in the spirit with you, being led by the Holy Spirit. In spiritual authority and power, we prevail and we do not complain, but we say, thank you, Jesus. Give the Lord a praise offering, everybody. Amen. You know what? I love this band of mine. Can you say amen? You might very well call them your band also. Amen. You also like your band? Now, come on. Give the Lord a thank offering for them. Amen. You know, uh, they've, they've done such incredible work for many years. And as a young, young man, minister, I always desired to have a band like this. And the Lord gave me that. And I used to always say in those early years, you know, if only God would bring us this kind of atmosphere of worship. Well, tonight is a night. Last week, Sunday night, the people unanimously said, when I said, how about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit? Everybody says, let's go with it. So the people are coming for tonight, nine gifts of the Holy Spirit time, time for revival and a move of God. Can you say amen? So bring friends along. We'll pray for anything, anything that's wrong and we believe God will make it right through miracles, signs, wonders and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Nine gifts of the Holy Spirit completed for the church by the Lord and given by His grace. Well, uh, we're going to read in the book of uh, Acts, I've got two Bibles in front of me, the uh, New King James translation, this one here, and then I've got the Amplified Bible, this one here. And much more than that, I don't really need, because the rest is there in any event. So, in Acts 18, everybody say, God bless His Word to me in my life, that I may learn and practice what the Word says. Amen. Now, chapter number 19 and verse 1 from the Amplified Bible, the new one. It happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul went through the upper inland districts and came to Ephesus. And he found some disciples. Now, here we see Paul gets a group of uh, disciples there. And... Uh, we know that he laid hands on them and, 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 and so much for that. We, we also know that uh, there were about 12 of these people that were in groups. Paul actually never walked alone. People think that Paul was going alone. If you do a, it's almost like an audit and you pick up from the Bible the people that accompany him, accompanied him in those days. It is amazing how many people actually walked with Paul and they followed as he was spreading the good news of the good news, Jesus Christ is Lord of all, the gospel of the kingdom of God right into Europe. And uh, those churches that he planted were, were, were extremely powerful. They multiplied. And you can literally see the impact as a wave hitting all of Europe. Now, he came to a city called Ephesus. Ephesus. That's where we are going to stop today. 
But first let's read in chapter number 19, verse 11. Chapter number 19 and verse number 11. Now God was doing extraordinary and unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or face towels or aprons that had touched his skin were brought back to the sick and the diseases, diseases left them. And the evil spirits came out of them. The evil spirits came out of them. Can you say amen? Notice here how they were healed. It reminds me of, of uh, Acts 10.38 where it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth uh, with the Holy Spirit and with power, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Here and the evil spirits came out of them again. You must know the power of the Holy Spirit on the men I'm going to talk about today. Paul, one of them. Then some of the traveling Jewish exorcists, in other words, they spent their time driving out demons, if they could, who also attempted. Everybody say attempted. It's an important word because they only tried. To call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I implore you and solemnly command you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Evil spirits came out because of those cloths on the body of the Apostle Paul. And then here, now they say, the Jesus whom Paul preaches, but they didn't believe in him, but they were not born again, but they didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. So they never had the power and the authority. The seven sons of one named Skiva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. But the evil spirit retorted, Verse number 15, amplified. I know and recognize and acknowledge Jesus. And I know about Paul. In the Greek it says, I'm very intimately acquainted with the Son of God, Jesus. We know, we know him because of what happened there in Jerusalem. I know and recognize and acknowledge Jesus. And I know about Paul. It's very much like that in the Greek. They're acquainted with Paul. They're very much aware of Paul, these evil spirits of the day. But as for you, who are you? Then the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them. There were seven sons of Sceva and overpowered them so that they ran out of that house in terror, stripped, naked, and wounded. One more verse here. This is verse 17. This became known to all who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was magnified and exalted. In the case of Paul, the spirits came out immediately. There it tells you in the Bible in verse number 12. But when it came to somebody trying to do that or attempting to do that without the power of the Holy Spirit, that never got nowhere. In fact, they got attacked. That one person with an evil spirit, as the Bible says, in the singular, attacked them and overpowered seven men. 
and they ran for their lives afterwards, stripped even of their bodies and badly wounded, I suppose, also in the process. Now, it happened here that Paul came into Ephesus. Great authority and power. This man, and I might just mention, pre-mention another man by the name of John the Apostle. He was also there. And uh, there were other people that came along and also ministered there at Ephesus. This was Paul the Apostle, and then another big one was the Apostle John. Then there was Timothy. There was Aquila and Priscilla. They were the companions. Paul and Silas traveled. Then Paul would uh, go with Barnabas, and uh, he would travel with people. And he gives you a list here of people like Jason and all of these people that were companions of Paul on the road. And uh, so as he landed there, he was there, but there were several major people of the New Testament there. And in fact, John the Baptist also, or John the Apostle, shall I say, not John the Baptist, John the Apostle. This is the place. On the screen, you see the arrival of the Apostle Paul. Now, if I look down this road, this is actually a road here. I'm pointing at the road. It runs straight into a building, the, the front of a building, the library of um, uh, um, census, the, the library of the Ephesians that was there. And they were famous because of their culture and their library and the books and everything else. This road here going down, you can see the pathway. You'll see it on the side screens too. These, this particular road ran to the library and then it makes uh, a 90 degree, like almost 90 degree turn to the right. And here is the first picture that you see. Coming down this road, there was the, the Agora, the upper Agora, which is the marketplace where they traded in those days. And here at the bottom, here's the face of the library with one, two, three windows. You can see them at the top. And uh, you see, what's that, eight, eight of those pillars. And then to the side, you see like arches. These arches went, you could actually see the stones at the background there of the lower Agora, the lower marketplace. Let me just for a moment uh, stay on that image there. Don't go away from it. But this lower agora was massive. Ephesus was absolutely a key city of the Bible. Let me tell you. Paul on his first missionary journey, no, he didn't, second missionary journey. First missionary journey was like up to Antalya and then back from lower Turkey and or Asia Minor, back again to Jerusalem, and then from there to Antioch, and from then the inland on the second journey, and then coming into Ephesus, and then there's the third journey where he went on, uh, further on to all the way to Athens and Corinth and Berea and Philippi that we spoke about. But um, this particular city was the foremost city of Asia Minor, the province, the Roman province of Asia Minor. It was the place there. It was like, a, you would say like, uh, uh, it would be compared with like say New York. We have a lot of trade going there, the World Trade Center and, and uh, the world markets, Wall Street and all of that. And then there was like, in our days, we have like, for example, Singapore is similar. You have Dubai, you go on from Dubai all the way to, you know, we went so many times to Hong Kong, and there is also like a free trade city there. A lot of 
You know, it is like metropolitan, cosmopolitan. Cosmos, of course, speaking of a social system that existed. Cosmopolitan, of many countries going there. London's another one. People come and people go, people visit. They, this was Ephesus. Actually, uh, Ephesus also had a harbor because the sea pushed in by two canals and then with a pool at the top, this so-called so pool, but it was actually the sea forming a pool, an inlet with a pool, and then the two legs running out. And boats came up and down there, and then nowadays it's been filled with salt because you have to get rid of the salt to get the sea to come that far. But now, with the rain and the, the erosion that you have naturally, those, those um, features are not there anymore, but it was then a harbor port where people came in. They traded from all over Asia. And this particular city was then seen as foremost. Let me tell you something. Paul visited the city and spent about up to three years, according to the calculations of various scholars that I worked through. He spent about three years in that city, or almost three years uh, that he was there. Then furthermore, it was also that when he left, he went there twice, and then he went to Rome, and he wrote the letter to the Ephesians from Rome as Paul the Ages, because you have the, those letters in our Bibles, that is uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. In Philemon, those letters all written about the same time. He calls himself Paul the Aged. Now there he was still a young man, beginning with his missionary journeys, having them there. Now he calls himself Paul the Aged, and he writes back again to emphasis. That's one, two visits plus a letter. Then the most amazing thing is that Jesus himself, the Lord of all, comes in and um, the first of the letters written to the seven churches of Asia, which is Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Theater, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, the first letter goes to Ephesus. And so we even see the Lord himself beginning to talk to that city. It was just that important in those days. But being a city like that, they had all sorts of things going on. Can I have another image that I could just show the people here? If you still have images, they had them in the first service. And uh, let's see what they can do with the images that they had at the back. Oh, yeah. Here's the theater where they, would, uh, they wanted to bring in Paul. And they wanted to do all sorts of things to him. And the other disciples kept him away. And they dragged Jason and some other people, some of the Christians, into this theater. And they gathered here. There's a massive riot against Paul the Apostle here because he was just taking over the whole place for Christianity. And uh, this is the place where that riot took place of Dimitri the silversmith. Now we'll talk a little bit about that. There's a road there that I'll speak again and let's take you to the next image if you have still one more. You see the road coming all the way now from the theater and um, this particular road you see it going down again to the library, turning to the right, theater over there, and so on. And even further, you have the Basilica of the Apostle John, also the grave site. Up this road, this very road here, just a little bit further from where I'm standing here, or this last, the, where the picture ends, this pillar standing here, there was also a grave site for the Apostle Luke, the writer of the book of Luke and also the book of Acts. So, it is evident that Luke also went there 
and there is a gravesite, but they're not, they're not sure if that is authentic because they moved his remains a few times in the time of the Roman Empire. For some reason, they just moved him. Over, over. There's a gravesite there for him. There's a gravesite for John. There is also a tomb for Mary, the mother of Jesus, there. If you travel to Izmir and Kusadasi, we've been there. I've seen the place. You go down to Izmir, that's Smyrna. And then you go to the left. You go to Kusadasi, that's where the harbor is. And then you can travel. We went there with a boat trip with people from the church. And we uh, had a tour of Grecian islands plus, plus Israel. So you go down to Kusadasi, you, on the road there, you see the tomb of Mary. And her house was up this hill. If, you look, if I look down here towards that library, up you see the hill start climbing right up on the top of the hill. Quite a climb up there. You have the house of Mary visited to this day. Quite a thing to go up there and to see that, how that house was preserved over 2,000 years. People were here that had a kind of a civilization. Now, this particular city was rife with every kind of immorality that you can imagine. Let me talk about that a little bit. Because, um, let me just tell you, you see, here you have the library edifice or the face of the library. And then if you look down, you see those arches. Just take me back to that picture. You see those arches, the three arches going out down to the Agora. It's around the corner there. You see the library. There we are. And you see those three arches. Right here at the top of the arches, you see Roman writing. It says Caesar and calls Caesar God there in the middle of the city. So Caesar now, they had emperor worship and the people, I'm just creating a background so that you can see in this first half of the sermon that you can get the picture because it's part of your Bible, your Bibles. And this is the Christian church. We bring it into perspective and then we look at what happens then and what happened in our day and what happens in our days. But if you look at that day, you see, vaguely you can see the writing on the top of that pillar there, the name of Caesar. And Christians... And everybody that goes to the Agora, in other words, the marketplace, would have to take incense and, and then take a little bit of incense one side, I suppose they had to pay for everything, and then drop it on another altar and, and, and then worship Caesar. And of course, you get those disciples. They never got part of any of that. The demons came out. And they were very well aware of the Apostle Paul. The spirits didn't stay around there. The work of Paul the Apostle here was massive. It is so that if you look at the Bible here where it speaks, if I take Acts 19, uh, Paul arrives and then he does all sorts of things. For example, just here, he went about to the synagogue, verse 8 of Acts 19. Three months he spoke boldly out there in the synagogue. After three months arguing and persuading them about the kingdom of God. He then departs, and now some of them start speaking evil of the way, which is Christianity. And um, then they go to a school, or actually it's a lecture hall, it says in the Greek, of a band called Tyrannus, and, uh, or Tyrannus, uh, and, uh, instead of the synagogue. And he then, Paul teaches Bible school for two years there. Can you imagine? I mean, I would have done anything in my life if I could only go and sit there and listen, number one, to the Lord Jesus Christ there in the Holy Land, speaking the Sermon of the Mount. How many of you would, have, would, have, would like to have been in that sermon? 
you know, just to hear the Lord address the crowds and see what he did. Here, Paul, the apostle of the Lord, um, he's now teaching for two years, speaking, reasoning, taking questions, and for two years solid, plus the, the period that he spent there in the, in the place of the synagogue and other places here. Paul was really here. There's another one that came in. I mean, I mean to mention him to you because it's important that you would understand this, that in Ephesus, there were at least, apart from, apart from, we'll get to another theater, which is a big one. There were at least, there were at least 14 temples to other gods there. At least 14. Also on the top of that, that emperor worship. So in the valley part, if you go down, you see this edifice, you go down there towards the valley, there was a special worship place for Caesar Augustus of the Roman Empire, the Roman Emperor Caesar uh, Augustus. And then, of course, there came another one, and um, his name was Domitian. And he was the one that got, because of enduring his reign, John the Apostle was taken and banished to the island of Patmos. So there on, on Patmos, he got the book of Revelation and came back again to there. After a while, he was released to come back. It's not very far over the sea there. You know, it's, it's, it's not a far distance at all, but you can't swim it. So then we see that this emperor Domitian there also had a special sanctuary for him. And now he considered himself, you know, he considered himself all that important. He's now God. He's now being called God. And he's treated like God. Nobody argued with the Roman Empire, Roman um, Emperor. Nobody, the Caesar, they wouldn't get involved with those guys. They would kill you. They would just kill you. And so he had, a, he had up on the hill there, the highest of all of those worship places was actually a place where uh, they worshipped Domitian. And uh, then he had pillars and high pillars, and in the pillars, he would build all the other gods, but he would sit on top of those pillars. He would have himself right at the top. So you have these pillars coming up with gods on them, idol gods, not God, idol gods or idols, and then right at the top, he was there, and he was now the emperor of Rome at the time. He put John on the island of Patmos. Also mentioning to you that, very important, there is another temple. It's the temple of the goddess Roman Diana, Grecian Artemis, the temple of Artemis, or if you speak in Roman, in, uh, the, in Latin, it would be Artemis. I mean, uh, in Romans, it's, it's, it's Diana, but in Grecian, it is, it is this uh, idol god called Artemis, who fell from heaven, the stone that fell from heaven, and this caused a a thing there, they with a, this false idolatry went so so much so became so intense, even at the time of the apostle Paul, it was there already, that they built a temple for Artemis there. She was the goddess of the moon. Think of the Artemis Artemis project right now going on in the United States. She was the goddess of the moon. She was the goddess of fertility. So. She caused so-called people that could not have children to have children. And that was her worship and many other things that she was also uh, uh, this lone hunting goddess. And with her, accompanied her, were always these so-called nymphs that were just spirits. And in that temple of her, it was like real people there. 
but we'll get to that. So this goddess had a temple about what size? About one and a half soccer fields. In England, they say football. Here in Africa, I like what we say, soccer fields. You know, you know Africa is just a beautiful place. Love it. And so it's about one and a half soccer fields. It's the size of that temple of Artemis. So at that time, they were making little statues of her and selling that silver statues, and people would be able to go home, carry a statue of Artemis into the home, and then worship there. So it was right. It, this was the world in which those disciples landed. People with a divine destiny on their lives. This is where they, after being kicked out of Israel because of the persecution of the Jews and the Roman Empire, they now find themselves in this cosmopolitan of ungodliness. Artemis, this idol god, or then Diana, same thing. Artemis had her people that worshipped her. Now, what they would do is they would take those statues of her and go down to the sea, which was the harbor there at the time, and, and wash her for fertility and for reviving fertility and then go and present it to Artemis at the top in the, in the temple of Artemis. And so what they then did is um, they would get drunk, beyond measure drunk. And there they would, they would get themselves involved in orgies, in sexual immorality of just no small kind, on a massive scale. Hundreds of people ran around. And I see most of you in any way are here, are, are adults, one or two children. But uh, they would go and they would even cut their genitals, their reproductive organs, so that they would please this goddess and worship in such a way. They'd first get so drunk, they didn't know what they were doing. And this, this whole thing was going on. It was practiced in another place, not very far from there, but a distance inland. Uh, let, let's say, I would say that would be about, um, uh, I would think about 80 miles inland, or could be kilometers, but I think more like 80 miles inland. You'd find another place called the Fourth Church of the Book of Revelation, the Seven Churches, Church number four is theater. There was a woman called Jezebel. She did exactly the same thing. They taught there the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. What were the Nicolaitans? Because Jesus said, I, I know your works. And then he says, but this I have against you. This is in uh, Revelation chapter number two, where Jesus begins to speak about the churches, chapter two and three of the book of Revelation. I know your works. And then he says, uh, the Lord now, he says, but one thing I have against you, I'm just briefly cutting out your portions because I've got to get through the sermon on this. I know your works, and then he says, but I have this against you, that you tolerate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans believed that man's soul is everything. Jesus, according to their teaching called Gnosticism, their teaching was that it's the soul of man and that's all that's important. And what happens to your body is not important. You can live it up. You can do with your body whatever you want to do with your body. Just go. Okay? So we take some of these things, we bring it into the modern day era, and we look at what actually happens in the modern world. So then what they do is they said that, well, you know, Jesus was never really a, a, a real person. Uh, he, he was just, a, he had just appeared to be 
real. Therefore, his suffering was just appeared as suffering, and it was like their, you know, kind of, it's not really the suffering of Christ. That's what they taught. And John, the apostle that also came there, said, not so. Test the spirits. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is the Christ who has come into the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist and you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. For greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. The Apostle John. 1 John uh, 4 and 1 John 2 verse 20, 1 John 2 verse 27, you have John the Apostle referring to the same thing. They were combating that thing and they were winning the battle because Paul was really, his teachings were so powerful, converting, you must understand, converting those people, that they were, they were authors, Paul, some 14 of these books of the New Testament. They had the Bible on the inside of them. They had the Holy Spirit very much upon them. These are the great apostles. And um, if, 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 you, if you look at that, John the Apostle of the island of Patmos, the whole book of, of Revelation, Paul, 14 books here, they walked around, they taught, and they knew what they were teaching. They were taking questions. They could answer anything. They refuted, and they said, listen, people, and this caused a riot, people that, that run around and say idols made with hands uh, are not God. They must be persecuted. Hence, that riot in that amphitheater where they took Paul and they, they, wanted, to, they wanted to get all of him, but the, the, the disciples hid him away. They said, they said to him, said, no, 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 we're not going to let you go in the midst of that crowd. It's going too wild. And so then after that, he would also depart again, this time towards Philippi, Troas, and up to Philippi as, as he lands there. But this Diana worship, there were 14 other temples there for various things, and they didn't like it. And so this is where Dimitri, the silversmith, stirred up this riot with all his companions and said, well, we're not making money anymore. Nobody believes in Diana or Artemis. Same thing. Nobody, our trade is suffering now because they wanted another worship of another thing, whatever they wanted. And they were having a good time. And all things were happening. Up there at the temple of Artemis and in theater, it was just, it was just fornication of another level. It is known if you study the Roman Empire properly that you know that the Roman Empire was rife with sexual immorality. And as some people say, there's just a saying, that they say that Rome fell because of the sin of the crotch. Just like that. They fell by the sin of the crotch. Because they just got involved with any kind of, they would have 25,000 slaves, the rich people there. They would have slaves working in everything. They got into stuff. If you go to Pompeii, you find the same thing. The Roman Empire, they were so, they fell because finally God judged them. And the city of Ephesus, from the north would come the Goths. I was saying to more where you get these Gothic images, but the Goths came in and flattened at the end of the Roman Empire, just flattened that whole city, just took it out and uh, took down the temple of Artemis. Now, they were graining ground. John the Apostle, if you go down that main street that goes from here that way, then up a little hill there is the beautiful, huge church 
of the Apostle, Apostle John. I'm stunned. If you look at the on-scale map of that, you see this church, that was a big one, that one. That was a big one. Paul was in it. Timothy was definitely there as the leader at one point in time. Then came John. And John, because of his seniority, he took over all of that. The last years of teaching in Ephesus was John the Apostle. And then John brought there with him. That's where the book of Revelation landed. See? So they would do things like that because they said that this goddess with the name of, of uh, Artemis or Diana is capable of changing you, even in terms of sexuality and doing anything. So they would just offer up their bodies. They couldn't care less. And it was like that. And so the apostle John looks at this and writes his book in 1 John and on. And then, of course, Paul speaks about this. But what does Paul do? How does he, how does he respond? We look now at the current time and what Paul said yet. I go to the book of Ephesians, just here, right here, the book of Ephesians. And, and here I have, this is my Bible. And uh, in my Bible, I've got this comment on the book of Ephesians. Listen to this. Paul writes now at Rome back to them. And Ephesians, he said, well, this is the commentator here. Ephesians is addressed to a group of believers who are rich beyond measure in Christ Jesus. We do not realize what we've got in Christ Jesus. Let me say this to you. Yet they lived as mere men, even sometimes as beggars. And only because they're ignorant and were ignorant of their actual wealth in Christ Jesus through walking in union in the Spirit with Christ the Lord through faith. Paul begins by describing in chapters 1 to 3 the contents of the Christian's heavenly bank account. Like, for example, it says here, adoption as children of God, acceptance, redemption, forgiveness, wisdom, inheritance, that we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. We have the seal of the Holy Spirit, life, grace, citizenship. In a very short sentence, every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ Jesus. Even if you look at, you know, the blessing of Abraham that's come upon the Gentiles, all of it through Christ Jesus, they were beyond measure rich because of who was teaching there and who was feeding them and who was telling them this, that, and the other. The book of Ephesians is one powerful book of the Bible. Very powerful. So what would Paul write? But first, let me just point out to you, in uh, chapter number one, you see redemption. And then you see that in, um, uh, let, let me begin in verse number two. It says, grace, peace. All blessings, grace to you, peace to you, spiritual well-being here in the Amplified Bible. And then it says, then it says, blessed with every, verse 3, spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ Jesus. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ Jesus. And again, uh, in verse number 4, we are set apart for Jesus. And then it says in the Amplified Bible, purpose-driven. And now blameless in God's sight because of our forgiveness. In His love, He loves us. We are predestined by faith to receive eternal life and go to the holy city of God, the eternal perfect age, which I'll speak about on Wednesday night. 
adopted to himself as his own children. Now, if you're a child of God, there are blessings of the Father upon you. Then verse 7, in him we have redemption. Also in 7, forgiveness. And in 7, complete pardon of our sins. And there too is grace bestowed upon us, which he lavished on us, verse 8. Wisdom, understanding, verse 8. Then we have verse 11. We have received an inheritance in Christ Jesus, predestined in the beloved, verse number 11. Then we have received from him the word of truth. Then we see we stamp with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, member of the Holy Trinity, is upon us and within us. We are his own purchased possession. So Paul comes in. And just to say this to you, he, in those first words, he begins to tell the people that they're really rich and not poor. And we should really realize who we are in Christ Jesus as well. Because that Bible is not just for them, it's for you too. It's quite a thing that if you see these, these letters of Paul, they were like for everybody. You read them. And one of the test questions I had to answer in my exams many, many years ago now. But, you know, were these letters written just for some people or for all people? Particularly this book of Ephesians is clearly, is clearly to be distributed. And this one, he says, okay, wait a minute now. In terms of the Ephesians, I want to read you this very quickly because time is always a problem. In Ephesians... Chapter number 2. Actually, it's from 1 and unto 2. Uh, he says these words. He says, The power of God that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Verse 20. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his, God the Father's right hand in the heavenly places. Where? Christ, the head of the body of Christ, which is the church. Our head is seated. Your head is seated next to God the Father in the heavenlies. I got one amen on that one. But you know, what kind of representation then do you have with God the Father? What kind of access do you then have with God the Father? We are in this period, all of these things going on. These apostles couldn't be bothered. They went on with the work. The church, if they said, oh, now times are too tough for us. And stop there. What would have happened to us? We would have been lost. But they ignore. You never hear them complain about the economy. You never hear them complain. You, they don't get involved in political discussions. Because men of God are to love men of God. And that's the end of the story. Men and women of God. Far above all principality and power. Paul says to them, listen, you're far above all this stuff. All these demonic forces and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. God put all things under his son's feet, in verse 22, and gave him to be the head of all things to the church. That's you. He's your head. Which is his body, the fullness of him who dwells and fills all in all. Then, in verse number one of chapter two, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, which in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Here we have the devil. In fact, it says so in the Amplified Bible. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Don't think for any person on this planet 
that you can copy what happened there in Ephesus in terms of Artemis and idol worship and prostitution and fornication, the wrath of God. Read Romans chapter number one from verse number 18. He's poured out on heaven concerning all of that in terms of fornication, porneia, which speaks of any form of perversion in terms of sexuality. We are a holy people. Let me say that again. You are a holy people. You're a royal priesthood. You're God's chosen people. You're adopted as His children. He's brought you out of darkness into His light. He made you part of His body through your faith in Him. But faith requires repentance from dead works. Everybody say repentance. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms, Hebrews chapter number 6, and resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, eternal life. Now, he says, we were there. We were in all of those things. He writes to them. But then he puts the spear. If you say there's a spear, he puts the spear on that, on that shaft of the spear. He says, now listen, concerning these demonic forces at work and all their doctrines of devils and whatever they get up to, listen now. Take up the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done all to stand, Ephesians 6, from verse 10, 12 and on. Having done all to stand, gird yourselves with the belt or the girdle of truth. Then also take up the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and take up the shield of faith, wherewith you quench all the fiery darts of the Spirit, and take up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And listen, he writes later on also to the people of Corinth, because same culture. He says, and though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not, mighty, are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. What do we do? We are in a battle right now for the future of our own nation. South Africa, that this nation will be blessed in the new year. I believe that there's going to come an alleviation from the Lord. The pressure will decrease, particularly towards next year and the year of 2024. I believe at this point in time that God will bless this country. We're going to have a good year for a change. The economy will revive for a change. We're going to have a good year for a change. Can you say amen? And Paul says, take up the armor of God. Pray for this. We've got to pray for the country. We've got to pray for the leaders. I've got no business judging anybody from any political party. I've got to love all people. That's just, you know, people, you know, I don't know. The love of God prompts us. And the Bible says that we're to love one another. And here in the church of God, everybody has got dignity. Everybody is loved. Can you say amen to that? everybody's important to us. We pray for you. We're going to have a good year next year. We don't need that stuff of Ephesus to come through into the modern society here in South Africa. Do you agree with me? Give the Lord a praise offering. Let's stand together. Now, if you now go home and in one sitting read the book of Ephesians, the whole book will unlock for you. It's just like that. You know the background, you know why, and then you find out why even Jesus mentions him first, mentions the church of Ephesus first on the list in the book of Revelation. 
May you overcome all. May the power of God flow through your life. May your union with Christ be enduring. You will not lose your first love, but you'll push on relentlessly. And we will all expand the kingdom of God. Can you say amen to that? May you be equipped with wisdom and power and might. With the sword of the Spirit, the full armor of God, may you move forward and never backward. May you go up and never down. May you, your progress be made known to all people around you. May the blessing of the Lord be so convincing on your life that people that don't know Christ will ask you questions about why you're smiling when everybody is morbid. May God help you and bless you in your business, in your physical body. He's taking care of you. He's given His angels charge concerning you. You must not get depressed. Get to Jesus instead. He's this living word and walk with His Bible everywhere you go. I had it on my office table. No matter where I am, there's always a Bible around me. Always, always and forever because God is the word who has become flesh. He's your Savior. He's your God. He's your King. And so for those people there, God had a message, but he's got one for you today. To live pure and holy lives in the fear of the Lord, repentance of dead works, faith towards God, you're going to succeed in your life. You are going to succeed in your life. Amen. Amen. And God will bless you all the days of your life. And when you walk out here, you walk out with respect, dignity, love, and all the other things and give the other Christians a smile, won't you? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up His countenance over you and be gracious to you and grant you eternal peace. Lord, I thank you also tonight that we will have a move of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in this place. Revival begins in the house of God. And we thank you for that move of God. We pray now the Lord be with you and give you peace eternally. Through Jesus Christ's name and all God's people say. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.